morning. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Welcome to this Bible lesson. At Barah Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. As Lord, He is 100% deity. He is God the Son, a member of the triune Godhead. He is also 100% human, just like you and me, and His name is Jesus Christ, the Lord. God the Son became flesh, Jesus Christ, and He lived among us. He is the uniquely born one, 100% God, 100% man, and one person forever. He is the sovereign God of the universe, and nothing happens in the universe without His permission. He is the Jewish Messiah. He is the perfect description of beauty, majesty, power, dominion. Here's how Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 20 describe him. Colossians 1, 13. God the Father rescued us believers in Christ from a spiritual sphere in which we lived. I've always talked to you about the geodesic dome that we live in as believers in Christ. We live in the sphere of His grace. And in that sphere is unconditional love and forgiveness and grace. But God the Father rescued us believers in Christ from a spiritual sphere, the dominion of darkness. That's what this world is. It is a spiritual sphere, the dominion of darkness. He rescued us from this and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, His beloved one. Colossians 1.14, in which Son we believers in Christ have redemption, And what is redemption? A rescue by paying a ransom. I'm going to teach you about that next week at the Lord's Supper. In which, Son, we believers in Christ have redemption. A rescue by paying a ransom. The ransom of His blood, which is the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.15 The Lord Jesus Christ is the image that is the exact same in essence now manifest. He is the image of the invisible God and Father. That means they have a relationship. And in that relationship, they are the same in essence. He is the firstborn. Thus, He is the sovereign over all creation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by the Lord, God the Son, all things were created in the entire universe, both in the heavens and on the earth both the visible things and the invisible things, whether they are thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all categories of angelic creatures. All things have been created through the Lord and for the Lord. Colossians 1.17, The Lord is before all things, and in the Lord all things in the universe hold together. How? By the word of His power. Colossians 1.18, The Lord is also the head of the body, the church. We are the body of Christ as church-age believers. And the Lord is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He is the only person ever resurrected from the dead. And so that the Lord himself will come to have first place in everything. Colossians 1.19 For it was God the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of deity to dwell in the Lord in bodily form. Colossians 1.20, and through the Lord to reconcile all things to the Father, repairing the breach in the relationship that was caused by sin, having made peace through the blood of the Lord's cross, 
through the Lord, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. What a great description of our God. What an amazing God that we have. And whenever you're worried about anything, whenever you're depressed about the world, it'd be a good idea for you to go and read that Colossians series of verses. As a matter of fact, Colossians is only four chapters. It is our next, the next letter that we'll study. And it's about a little church in the middle of nowhere that nobody would even think to pay attention to. But It's a great idea to read those four chapters of Colossians. If ever you want to remind yourself who this preeminent Lord is that you worship, and you need to remind yourself regularly about the the characteristics of this God that you worship so that you don't forget, because you are inundated with the world and its propaganda all of which is designed to teach us that God is not God, that there is no God, that God is, there are a lot of ways to get to God. Anything but the simple message that there is one God, only one God, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ, that sign hanging above my head. At Barah Ministries, we make a difference by teaching the Word of God from God's perspective and not from man's perspective. And as those who make Barah Ministries our spiritual home, we are Christians. Being a Christian means we believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with him. But God has an enemy, Satan. That's something that people always forget. God has an enemy, Satan, who made God the ruler, whom God made the ruler of this world. He is a liar who deceives the whole world, including you and me. He doesn't want us to get to know God, and he interferes with our chance to know God. In John chapter 12, verse 31, the Lord says, Now judgment is upon this world. Judgment, meaning condemnation, is upon this world. And now the ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. He will be dethroned at a future time. He will be thrown into the furnace of fire. He will be cast out into the outer darkness. That's his fate. Satan's strategy against the human race is religion, which is designed to make us either indifferent or antagonistic to God. We're indifferent when God is not a priority. We're antagonistic when we're downright negative about God. I am mad at God. God cares not at all that you're mad at him because he allows you to have your emotions. So you, you need to get over it. If you're mad at God, then you don't have all the information that you need to understand how magnificent he really is. So Satan's strategy against the human race is religion. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, Jesus talks to the religious Pharisees and he rips them to shreds. And he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you people who talk from behind a mask. You travel around on sea and land to make one convert to your religion, and when he becomes converted, you make him twice as much as son of hell as you are. That's what God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, thinks about religion. He hates it because it is not the truth. Religion deceives a lot of people into thinking they're saved when they might not be, and it works like a charm. There are billions of people walking around on this planet that are deceived. And one of the things that's wrong with you as Christians is that you don't believe that you could be one of the few who isn't deceived that way. See, you're deceived. 
Make no mistake about it. But you're not deceived that way. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he died and was buried and resurrected on your behalf, if you are trusting his work for your salvation, then you're not deceived in that way. But there are billions of people who are, and you can't believe that somehow you, as horrible as you are, stumbled upon the secret of the universe, the single decision that's just the most amazing decision that you can make. Amen? Amen. And I don't know why. Why don't you believe it? The Lord says it. Well, you don't believe it? You can't take his word for it? He knows what he's talking about. Believe it. You're one of the few on the narrow road that leads to the resurrection life. And that demands something of you. That demands magnificence of you. And not that you will be sucked into the schemes of Satan, which we'll talk about today. Well, the Word of God is truth. And it informs us about Satan's insidious deceptions. And as believers in Christ, we are in union with Christ. And we have the victory over Satan through our Lord, who has overcome the world. Today's Bible lesson Your spiritual gift is discovered through experiences. Your spiritual gift is discovered through experiences. It would have been easy for the Lord to sit on his throne in heaven and to preside over his universe by just watching. But that's not what he did. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, We do not have a high priest in the Lord Jesus Christ who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet he is without sin. That's a lie. He hasn't been tempted just as we are. He's been tempted a thousand times worse than we are. Yet without sin, that's the truth. In other words, he proved out his program. The Lord demonstrated through experience that his plan for mankind works by living it. And he expects you to find your spiritual gift the same way, by living it. And in today's lesson, we'll gain insights into finding your way to your spiritual gift. Well, let's hear some music. In John chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ instructs a religious man about how to be saved. Here's what he says, John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. Now, Pharisee, he had been studying the Old Testament scriptures for over 20 years. John chapter 3, verse 2. And this man came to Jesus by night, evidently was busy during the day, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do those signs that you do unless God is with him. Double insult. Called him a rabbi. Called him a teacher. Of course, those are things that could be used to describe him, but who he was really talking to was the sovereign God of the universe. John chapter 3, verse 3. Ignoring the insult, the Lord got right to the point. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God the Father. That was like punching Nicodemus in the throat and then reaching back again and punching him in the solar plexus. 
He just told a 20-year student of Old Testament Scripture, you haven't got the slightest idea what it takes to be saved, and you've been studying forever. Nicodemus had no choice but to be uncomfortable with such an assertion and tried to laugh it off. John chapter 3, verse 4, Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? (laughs) And Jesus finished the knockout. John chapter 3, verse 5, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again of the water of the word, the gospel message, and the baptism of God the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God the Father. Nicodemus stood there with his mouth open. Flies were flying into his mouth. He was so shocked he didn't know what to do. And the next verse isn't here, but Jesus said, hey, don't be amazed that I said you have to be born again. I mean, what are you, a teacher? You've been teaching for 20 years and you don't know this simple thing? Beautiful. Jesus is a great teacher. Well, here's June Murphy to celebrate what it takes to get to heaven in song with her beautiful tune that she wrote and produced. It's called Born Again. was blind but now I see once under condemnation now I have been redeemed once in the dark now in the light because I have believed in the death and resurrection of the Christ who set me free Oh 
with no conditions born again amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I'm a new creation born again Outstanding. Thank you, June. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for allowing us to learn by doing. Thank you for being the power behind our doing. Thank you for allowing us to learn by making mistakes. Thank you for not expecting perfection from us. Instead, thank you for giving us God the Holy Spirit who keeps on perfecting us with his sanctifying ministry. Show us how to influence and attract others to the light of your kingdom and help us to reflect you and your word in every breath we take. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, your spiritual gift is discovered through experiences. Your spiritual gift is discovered through experiences. Well, if you watched last week's lesson, you might have noticed some briskness in my tone. I was upset. The frustration of this unusual year Frustrations I have sought to hide by using my put-on-a-happy-face mentality as a pastor uh, whenever these feelings came bubbling to the surface. The world is not going the way I want it to, and I'm mad about it. And you are too. But God isn't mad about it. Nothing happens in the universe without God's permission. He isn't mad that our freedoms and our lives are being stolen from us because it's what he knew was going to happen all along, and he is allowing it to teach us all about himself, about his plan for mankind, about his personal plan for you, and about the lack of character of our enemy, Satan. I'd like to begin today's lesson by sharing a few insights from another Christian. His name is Mike Gendron, and he has a ministry called Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries. He is an evangelist, a former Roman Catholic, who has a ministry now to Roman Catholics trying to draw them out of that hellhole that is the Roman Catholic Church. You can find his material at ProclaimTheGospel.org. Then I'd like to share some of my own reflections from the week after I came back to my senses. Here's what Mike has to say. Amid the mounting uncertainty and instability Facing the future of our nation, we can take comfort as believers in Christ in knowing that our great God and Savior is sovereign over the affairs of all nations. Some may doubt that God is in control because we have observed all the diabolical works of Satan being carried out by his willing partners throughout our nation. Never in our lifetime have we witnessed such widespread deception, fraud, and hypocrisy in our corrupt institutions and liberal media. Doubters need to know that Satan can only operate under God's permissive will. Our sovereign Lord controls all things, which is how he knows the end from the beginning. 
Our omniscient God has revealed the future to, to us through his prophetic word so that we will not be taken by surprise or be alarmed. The word of God exposes Satan's ultimate goal to rebuild his Tower of Babel by uniting and controlling the world with a global government, a global economy, and a global religion. That is going to occur. That is occurring right as we speak. And you see it right before your eyes. You hear it. We're all in this together. We have to have a global solution. And our leaders are letting that stupid set of thoughts come from their mouths. The mandatory wearing of masks, government lockdowns, contact tracing, and compulsory vaccines are preconditioning the world to receive the mark of the beast during the tribulation period. We are in the church age. We will not be here as believers in Christ in the tribulation period. But all the machinations of the future of this world are happening in the church age as trends that point to what's coming. And that is coming. There will be a mark of the beast. You will take it. If you don't take it, you'll be killed. And you certainly won't be able to purchase anything or do anything without the mark of the beast. And if you take the mark of the beast, you are not saved. That is not our reality in the church age. And so you have no worries about this here. Continuing with Mike's thoughts, a new world order, that's code, will be unable to control the majority of the people until the people of the world are willing to submit to a government that people can trust to keep them safe and healthy. You hear it. Stay safe. Be healthy. Take care of yourself. I hope you're well. You hear it. You know all the people who are victimized by it. You have not heard those words come out of my mouth. Because I am not victimized by these lies. This China virus crisis, Mike continues, will eventually pass. But the government will never forget how easy it was to take control of people's lives. We gave it to them. We gave in to them. This is not what the founders of this country allowed. This is what Great Britain was doing to the founders of this country, and they stood up against it. They pledged their life, their liberty, and their fortunes to fight against it. That's not what we're doing. We're sitting here like frogs in cold water, just accepting everything that's coming down. The attack on the sovereignty of America as a superpower appears to be part of Satan's plan. The constant fear-mongering by the leftist media has made the majority of Americans willing to submit to the government for protection from the China virus. And as a result, Americans are willing to give up many of their rights and freedoms in the hope of remaining healthy and safe. Behind all of this is a master deceiver, a seductive schemer, and the ruler of this world, Satan, He has been effective in carrying out his demonic agenda to deceive, divide, and malign the American people. You can hear it. When are we ever going to be in unity? Why are we so divided? We're divided because we live in a tyrant's kingdom. It couldn't be another way in a tyrant's kingdom except to be divided. 
Why are you expecting anything different? You live under a tyrant. And the tyrant has minions. And the minions are running our country. And when there's a a non-minion who steps up and, and speaks out, Donald Trump, what happens? Attack. He stomped into the ground. And don't get me wrong. Donald Trump has a lot of assholish qualities. Amen? Amen. That's not the point. Because I don't know any presidents in my lifetime who haven't been assholes. By definition, you have to be an asshole to take that job. (laughs) Plus, he's from New York. That's awesome. Mike continues. Satan knows that a nation divided against itself will not stand. Satan has seduced and ensnared over half of our nation to carry out his diabolical plan. Yes, our friends are deceived. His forces of darkness appear to be highly organized, appear to be, to carry out the most effective warfare possible. As God's adversary, who hates God's people, Satan hates you, he has even cunningly influenced socialist government leaders to demand the shutdown of our churches to deprive citizens of their religious freedom. We must remember Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but our struggle is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Mike Gendron continues, As Christians... We may be outnumbered and outmanned by the evil forces of darkness, but our awesome God reigns. Amen? Let us pray for our troubled nation with an attitude of thanksgiving for the one who created, upholds, and rules the universe with his sovereign, omnipotent power. The King of kings and Lord of lords has already won the victory for his people, and that is why we can have assurance amid uncertainty. And he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into his glorious kingdom. So let us pick up and put on the full armor of God, and let us fight the good fight of faith until he comes to take us home. Now I have a question for you. Do you think I care who doesn't believe that? Do you think I care? I don't care. Do you think I care who doesn't like it that I'm saying these things? I don't care. I don't care what they think, because they're wrong. And they'll find out one day that they're wrong, but not right now. Right now, a person like me who lives in Satan's kingdom, who's saying these things, is stupid to to people. Oh, Rory, I don't know how you could be such an amazing consultant and sales performance and such an amazing teacher and think that Jesus Christ is God. That's what I've had people tell me. How could you waste your time being a pastor? That's what I've had people tell me, insulting me all the time. They're saying I'm stupid. They're saying I'm wasting my time. They're saying I'm not doing anything significant teaching you stuff. And the, the, the funny thing is, how many of you actually believe them? How many of you believe the crap that you're reading on Facebook? How, much, how many of you read the, believe the crap you're reading on Instagram? How many of you spend more time 
on Facebook and Instagram and social media and Twitter and, and in newspapers and on all these websites on the Internet than you do in the Bible. And I would dare to say that we spend 168 hours a week on the planet, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and we sleep 56 of it, so we have about 112 waking hours, and two of it doing this. And then if I tell you something that's in the Bible, I'm getting questioned. You know, I'm the one with the problem. I don't have a problem. My only problem is that I'm still here, because like June said in her song, I'm a citizen of heaven. I don't belong here, and neither do you. We don't fit in this kingdom. Amen? So these things that you're hearing, this is the truth. It's not that stuff on TV. But if you need it from somebody who's on TV, go to Barai Ministries' website, press watch video. I'm on TV. Amen? If you need it from TV, I'm on TV. If you need it from the radio, I got a podcast. Amen? I say it wherever you need me to say it, but this is the truth. And it's the truth because it comes out of this little book, 66 books in it, that you need to get in your head, and there are only 27 of them that you're responsible for. And it's all here. Yes. Pastor, I don't think that the, all the world and all the answers to the world's problems could be in those 27 chapters because, I mean, look at the Internet. There's Google. I mean, there are libraries with books and everything. How could it just be 27 books? And that book was written over 2,000 years ago. It's out of date. <laughs> Wow. Wow. And this is Christians. You know nothing about God or how magnificent it is. He doesn't need more than 27 bucks. He doesn't need but one. He gave you 27 to give you a little variety. Amen? Well, here are some of my reflections from the week, which perhaps exposed the folly of my attitude last week. For believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in this world, our illusion of the life we knew is dead. We have an illusion of control. We have an illusion of life. We buy into the world system. What do you want to do with your life? Well, I want to get married. And I want to have a baby. And I want to have a house and a savings account. <laughs> what are you, stupid? You don't understand that they're loaning you money for 30 years and they're charging you more to borrow the money than they are for, than you, than for, that you're paying for your house? You understand that? You want to get married? Satan lures you into thinking that marriage is it? And then what does he do? He brings all these distractions around you to destroy the thing he invited you to. What does he do when you have a kid? He teaches your children through one of the parents to reject you. 
And so when Thanksgiving comes around, people pretend like you don't even exist. How you like that? You have kids and they forget that you were the one who gave them the ideas to build their own business. That you were the one who showed them what was possible. And look, I don't begrudge that. I, I fell for it. I fell for it. I fell for the marriage thing twice. I fell for the kid thing twice. <laughs> it wasn't enough when the first one came. And it was unfortunate, really, though, because he was a sweet kid. Do you know he is the first member of Barah Ministries? He was such an easy kid. He was so sweet. So beautiful, most gorgeous baby I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, I, and I, I am not. My second one, the ugliest baby I've ever seen in my life. Honest to God, I didn't even buy his baby pictures. He was so ugly. They said, you want to buy this? I ain't paying $90 for that. I, I, I didn't even know. And I'm still not clear if it was mine. But Zachary was just the most gorgeous baby ever and no problem whatsoever he started crying i'd put on a cassette tape you remember the cassette tapes you remember that? put on a cassette tape playing the song this old man and he would stop crying like that just so easy to deal with i bought it i bought it i could have been a billionaire and i i put my career aside i'm gonna stay home i'm gonna raise my boys I'm going to go to all their events. I'm going to be all into their life. And then they put me on punishment for four, four years and didn't speak to me. And you guys know because I was mad. Because that's my first reaction to everything. I get mad. But I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker just like you did. I bought Satan's lies. I bought it. That phony lifestyle. And then what's he do? You get the kid and then he convinces the kid to turn on you. Why? Because that's what he did. He turned on his master. And that's what he teaches everybody, to turn on, to profane their own sanctuaries. And we buy it as Christians. We think, oh, yeah, his life. I know what God says. I know what he says. But I have a better idea. Do you? Okay. Well, for believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, in this world, our illusion of the life we knew is dead. When you think about it, how could it be another way? Would God have it be another way? God the Holy Spirit whispered a question into my thoughts to start my Monday morning last week on a day where I woke up at 3.30 a.m. with a disquiet in my soul that was so loud I could no longer stay in bed. You know how you wake up and you know you really don't want to get up? And the heat went off, and it's a little too cold in the room, and you know you don't want to get up and walk around. And the robe, your little snuggly robe, is about 40 steps away, and you think you're going to freeze to death before you get to it. You know that feeling. I didn't want to get up, but I had to because my soul was crazy. Now, the question the Holy Spirit whispered was more of a statement disguised as a question. The Holy Spirit asked, you didn't think I've been preparing you for an ordinary worldly life, did you? And my answer was immediate. No, I didn't. Now, Holy Spirit doesn't talk to me. He doesn't talk to you. He t God talks to us in his word. 
but he talks to us through thought. Because when we know what's in here, he gives us thoughts. And that was the thought. You don't think I prepared you for a worldly life, do you? So what are you upset about? What are you upset because the worldly life that you constructed, that phony shell of a life that you constructed has now been demolished? Did you think it was going to be another way? Have you honestly been studying the Bible for the last 30 years and you thought it was going to go down another way, Rory? You didn't think that all of your little manufactured dreams weren't going to be shattered, Rory? I just didn't recognize that my time is here. I had allowed myself to be lulled to sleep, content with a comfortable life here in Satan's kingdom. The life I've had up to this point, though, is now a distant memory. And I dare say that you've suffered the same fate. Because that is the destiny of the ones who have been born again. Born again. We're citizens of heaven. Born again. Hey. Somebody said they want us to sing a, a duet, so we're going to have to do that. But look, you, you sounded amazing today. Because you weren't screaming. As you're using your diagram or whatever they call that thing now. You know. But that song, you know, we played that song in the elders meeting yesterday and brought tears to my eyes for a lot of reasons. One, because you sang it and, and wrote it, but the other because it's just gorgeous. It's, that's our fate. We're born again. We're not of this world. So why wouldn't we be mad when we finally realize that we're in a world that we don't belong in, why wouldn't we be mad? So, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we were invited by the Lord Jesus Christ to come out of spiritual death into spiritual life. It was the moment the Lord chose to own us. And when we accepted the invitation, it was our salvation. And as June says, we have been born again. The handoff to God, the Holy Spirit, was next. The Spirit is responsible for helping us to see that the old self is dead and that we are a new creation. We are a new creation, born again. He's responsible, God the Holy Spirit is responsible for perfecting the new creation that is now our life, our resurrection life, and He is not going to fail at it. He has never failed at it. But you're going to learn through experience because you're not going to buy what Jesus Christ is telling you. You're going to buy Satan's lie and it's going to crash and you're going to be scratching your head going, what happened? How did this happen? What happened to my 2.5 kids in my white picket fence house in the suburbs? What happened? Why isn't it going down the way I think it is? Because it never does. Because liars lie. That's why. They promise everything. They deliver nothing. They lie. Satan is a liar. But what do we do? You know, this, this place that the Holy Spirit has put us in is called sanctification. 
and we've been made blameless, perfect, and we're called to live a holy life. And we say, yeah, but. Yeah, but. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is the life we signed up for became when we became Christians, the new creation life. The old self is dead. The life that would make us fit into this kingdom is dead. We do not fit here, and never will we fit here. But we try to be like the world. We, we turn into con artists, phonies. We buy the lie lifestyles. And what do they do? They wear us out. The world played its hand. The illusion of freedom is over. We have no choice as believers in Christ but to play the hand that we have been dealt. And we are not of the world. We can hide in the world, we can imitate the world, but we're not the world. And you will always only feel like a disingenuous phony if you try to fit into what the world says. I did it. Everybody's telling me I need to be politically correct. Why, do you, why are you so crazy? Why do you tell those off-color jokes? Why do you swear? Why are you so direct? Because that's how God made me to be. He's the one who gave me this personality. I had one of the guys that I love and respect and admire tremendously in business give me a review of a coaching call that I did with him. And he understood, he gets me, he understood exactly what I do to get people to see their own lives so that they can see what's in their way, so they can see their own magnif magnificence. I am provocative with them. I poke at them. I make them remember what I have said to them. And it doesn't go away. There's always the little 12-inch Rory talking in their ears all week. Why? Because I want what you have. I want your best. Why do I study the Word of God? Because I want my best. I don't want to settle. These were my thoughts. The world is playing its tyrant hand and it has exposed those of us who are believers in Christ. This year, from the very depths of our souls and our spirits, we are rejecting everything this world is, everything this world has become, everything this world is about to show itself to be. We reject it. And we now know the reason why we're rejecting it. It's because the world is not us, and we cannot fake it, pretending that we fit in this world. The bridges of retreat are burned to the ground. It's too late to turn back now. There are sides. We're on one side, and the world is on the other side. And that's one of the things you've got to get as a Christian. You can't play both sides of the fence. Pick your side and live it. You put on a white uniform. You can't wear the gray uniform or the black uniform. You pick the white uniform. Wear it. At some point, 
as this reality sinks in, it will be a relief to you that you can no longer pretend. Right now, there's just anger. Right now, there's just awe as we look at everybody and we go, what in the hell is wrong with these people? What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you saying? Don't you see it? The facade life that we constructed to conform to Satan's world could not, did not, and could never work for spiritual royalty. We have to stop lying to ourselves. We have to stop pretending that we could make it work. It was destined by God not to work in eternity past, and now we have to stand up and face the persecution that is inherent when you are not welcome in a kingdom. I don't know whether you heard me, so I'm going to repeat that. We have to stand up and face the persecution that is inherent when you are not welcome in a kingdom. The believers in first century Corinth were trying to live a double life. You're trying to live a double life. I'm trying to live a double life. We can't. They were pagans who became believers in Christ. They died to the old self. They were a new creation, yet they were still living the pagan life with its divisiveness, its rivalries, its social inequality, its racial and gender inequality, and its idol meat. That would never do for a new creation in Christ. I think about relationships. You know, there's this saying, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. And we hear that and we laugh. That's disgusting to me. That is the stupidest thing that anybody has ever said. And if mama likes that, mama is worthless. Relationships have to work for both people. If you're in a relationship with somebody and what they think and what they feel and what they want doesn't matter to you, but all that matters is what you want, why be in a relationship? Why bother? What are you, sadistic? Why bother? You're, you're being a solo, so be solo alone. That's what solo means. Don't be solo with somebody. Like all of us, the Corinthian believers would have to be introduced to the Christian way of living. That's why we study the Word of God. It calls us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. We can't sit idly by, as the world is doing, hoping things will go back to normal. This is normal for Satan's kingdom. Situation normal, all fouled up, set snafu. This is normal for Satan's kingdom. Horrible. And it isn't going to change. It's always been that way. It always will be. We are not, nor will we ever be part of this normal. We are citizens of heaven. And we must let our lights shine in this dark place. We must invite others to the light. When we come back from the break, we'll take the offering and then we'll continue our study of 1 Corinthians 12. Why you ever chose me? 
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, your spiritual gift is discovered through experiences. Your spiritual gift is discovered through experiences. When I went to college at Northwestern University, by the way, Big Ten West champions in football, thank you very much. Go ahead, you can do it. Second time in three years, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> asterisk, the whole year is an asterisk. It shouldn't have existed. But anyway, when I went to college at Northwestern University, my tuition for the four years was $17,500. To put that in perspective, the tuition for that same four years of education today is $300,000. And at that time, my mom made $14,000 a year, so there was no way that she could afford to pay for me to go to college. I was offered an academic scholarship funded by someone's generosity. Someone I don't know paid my tuition. And whomever it was, they don't know me, but I'm sure they'd be proud of who I have become because of their generosity. In their honor, I have created endowments both at Northwestern through the basketball program and Arizona State, at Arizona State University through both the football program and the women's volleyball program. The football scholarship is in my mother's name, the Dorothy Marie Beattie Scholarship Fund, which finances a partial football scholarship for a player every year. When you give to Barah Ministries, you're contributing to the possibility of someone's salvation. Your contributions keep this ministry alive and allows us to send the Word of God around the world free of charge to anyone with a computer and the Internet. Thank you for making a difference. The people you're helping may not know you, but they certainly appreciate you. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with the offering message. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm grateful to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. Barah Ministries is a worldwide Christian church through the power of the Internet. We are real people who come to listen to a real pastor, teach the real truth from the Word of God. And I still remember the day when pastor asked me if I wanted to be a deacon. I had like a split second to say yes or no. Because <laughs> if I paused, you know, he was thinking I was going to say no. So I said yes right away. And I, I realized that that day it was time for me to not be a baby bird anymore. It was time to fly. It was time to step up and make it official that I was a deacon for this church. So essentially that was the day I feel like I was married to this church. And I'll always be married to this church. And it's one of those things where, you know, I've been through a lot of these, these times where pastors are a little heated because I've been here a long time, maybe not as, as, as long as cute little baby Zachy, but um, pretty long. And so I've seen him with some fervor here and there and want us to get, to get going, and I feel like this year we really have. It may not feel like it, but we are doing things, and the, the, net, the core of this church is doing things. And so really that's my message today is just do. Do something. And so as I look around in the world, you think, you know, what are animals doing? You don't see an animal... For instance, a, a baby bird in his nest, when they grow, they don't stay in the nest. That nest would be too crowded. There's not enough room for all the babies and the mom to be in the nest. It's time for them to leave. It's time for them to fly. But they don't sit there and bellyache and say, oh, I can't fly. They're gone. They fly. You know, in the same way for other man- animals, you know, bears, you don't see bear- cubs stay in the den for the rest of their lives. They go out. They create their own life. They do something. They take on their, their potential. They take on their gifts and take it to the world. And, you know, you think about Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Look at them. They do. They go out. They're, out, they're riding their bikes right now probably around town, knocking on doors. Jehovah's Witnesses, knocking on doors. Just They know people don't even 
want them to knock on their door, but they're out there doing. <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, we're not asking you to do any of that. We're not asking you to go walk around or go on a mission as a Mormon and go to some other country. We're just asking you to talk to your friends. Tell them about the gospel. Tell them about Christ. And I was thinking, Pastor Rory Joseph Clark, PRJC, he's the PR man for JC. Almost like it was planned out that way. So you think at the end of the day, you know, who's, who's the ultimate doer? The Lord Jesus Christ. What if he didn't do what he was supposed to do? What if he said, oh, no, that cross, I'm not getting on that. You can miss me with that thing. <laughs> he didn't do that. He, he did what he had to do. He stepped up. And some would say it's easy because he's God, but we have the power of God within us. They're indwelling us as Christians. That's why we're born again, and that's why we're different than this world. We really are aliens here on earth. So at the end of the day, we're here as brethren at the offering to do and to give. And it's not just our time, our talent, and our or it's not just our time, our talent, or our treasure. It's all three at once. And it's really easy when you think about it. You just step up and do. And we can see from the Bible in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So all of us have a foundation on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the rains come, that's not being washed away. Never. But in this verse, you know, the, people, the other people built their house on sand. Satan. And he's not going to be there for you when the rains come. He's going to leave you high and dry, or wet, I should say. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we know that we're here for each other. Christians stand together and stand strong. We don't have to worry about the events of the day or all the fraud that went on in this election or all the supposed China, the Shanghai shivers that we have to worry about now and all the masks and all these mandates because at the end of the day, Christ is in control and we know that. And so let's help other people get to know that. And let's help others in our periphery to step up and do more than just listen to the word. Let's do what the word says. So thank you very much.
is none like you. Today's Bible lesson, your spiritual gift is discovered through experience. Your spiritual gift is discovered through experience. In 1 Corinthians chapters 12 to 14, the Apostle Paul is answering another question that has been posed by Chloe's people. Some believers in the Corinthian congregation were claiming to be more spiritual than others because of their spiritual gift, because it was a communication gift, the gift of tongues. When in reality, the gift of tongues is last on God's list. These spiritual elite wanted others to know that because their spiritual gift was a communication gift, the gift of tongues, for example, that their gift was better. Yet we know that God is not a God of partiality. Romans chapter 2 verse 11 says this, There is no partiality with God. Acts chapter 10 verse 34, Peter said, opening his mouth, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Therefore, a non-partial God, the Holy Spirit, is not partial in his distribution of spiritual gifts. He does not play favorites. He does not give spiritual gifts to cause divisions, nor to give certain people the idea that they're better than others. And that was what was going on in the Corinthian church, and that's what's going on in our world right now. There are people who look at me, and the first thing they see is black. And they, you know, if they are not black, they may think that they're better than me because of the color of my skin or, the ra- or my race. There are people in this world who are actually like that. And so it's unfortunate that that is the case, but it is the case. So all, all we have to know is that that does not come from God. That is not his orientation because God the Holy Spirit gives gifts to promote unity and gives gifts for the good of all in the body of Christ. And we as believers in Christ are in unity and we can't get out. And what God the Holy Spirit is doing is providing gifts to people so that they can promote that unity and make that unity grow. Now you remember the verses that we studied last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Here's what they say. Now concerning the spiritually gifted ones, brethren, you fellow believers in Christ, I do not want you to be unaware, since you're so smart and so knowledgeable, I don't want you to be ignorant. So Paul starts off with a little sarcasm, and I always love that about him, that he uses a little sarcasm to get people's attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, You know that in the past, when you were pagans, you were led astray again and again to lifeless idols. Idols are not alive. Idols are not people. Idols are mute. Idols are dumb. And yet these allegedly smart people were gravitating to idol worship. And that's what Paul is pointing out here. You were led astray again and again and again to lifeless idols. That was their experience again and again and again. That's my experience Roman Catholicism, systematic theology, 50 years of deception, led away again and again and again to the deceptions. In whatever way you were led away, and usually it was by some demonic power. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God, no spirit-filled spiritual person, which is a believer in Christ, would ever say Jesus is anathema that Jesus is accursed. And conversely, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. 
you know, that sign over my head, Jesus Christ is God, that says everything that I want you to know about me. See, everybody's wondering, you know, you know, Pastor Rory, what are you going to say to God when you have to make an account of your life when you are standing in front of him? I'm not going to say Jack. I'm just going to point behind me, and he's going to know what I'm talking about. That's what I stood for. Jesus Christ is God. I know who you are. I know who I'm sitting in front of. I don't have to tell you anything. You're omniscient. So don't ask me what I think. You already know. You knew before you created me what I think. Don't ask me what I think. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to be with you. That's all. For all eternity, from now on, that's my fate. And when I say Jesus Christ is God, I alienate billions and billions and billions of people. There are people who turn on the Barah Ministries broadcast. They see Jesus Christ is God hanging above my head, and they click it off. Yay! Yay! Go to Joel Osteen. And by the way, when you go to him, listen and see how many times in his lessons he ever says, Jesus Christ is God. He's not going to say it. Go to your mega church and your mega pastors and your bands and your concerts and all your, oh, I, I feel it. I just felt it. I wasn't vibing with it. Go, go to all those places. Go right there. Evaluate it with your feelings. You want to evaluate a church? Evaluate it by four words. Jesus Christ is God. How many times do you hear the pastor saying that? That's how I want to be judged. And I say it every week. And I hope I make you sick saying it. I hope every time I say it, you roll your eyes up and you head, ah, why does he just keep repeating this over and over? Why does he just keep saying this over and over? Because it's the truth. That's why I keep saying it. And I want to say it so much that you can't forget it. Amen. Because that's what makes me a pastor who's worth listening to. And there is a one second when, when this ministry is on the air, when I'm on the screen, when you can't see exactly what I stand for. Jesus Christ is deity. He is God. And that's it. And there's only one way to heaven. And that's it. Jesus Christ. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Elvis has left the building. Crazy people in this ministry. So let's continue. <laughs> All right, so let's pick it up from there. In the next section of this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we learn that there are several spiritual gifts. And we learn that the giver of the gifts, God the Holy Spirit, uh, we learn the sampling of the gifts, a list, but not a complete list. But these things are hardly the point. And when we get to the verse that is the point, I'll tell you what the point is. Here's 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now there are varieties of grace-given gifts, and all of them come from the same God, the Holy Spirit. See, your gift, your spiritual gift, is given to you by grace. You are being acted upon with the gift. You do nothing to earn or deserve the gift. It's a gift. 
and it's given in grace. 1 Corinthians 12.5, and there are a variety of ministries, and all come from the same Lord, Jesus Christ. The grace gifts come from the Holy Spirit. The variety of ministries come from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who gave me Barah Ministries. 1 Corinthians 12.6, there are a variety of effects, but all come from the same God the Father who works all things together for good in all persons. There it is, the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved in the grace gift that's given to you as a spiritual gift at the moment of salvation. You have a grace gift. Are you aware of what it is and are you working it? And it was funny, yesterday in the elders' meeting, my Mr. Number One uh, Barah Ministries person, Zachary Clark, he was the first one to the dining room table when Barah Ministries started in 1999. He sat there uh, sitting up, eager to learn. And yesterday in the elders' meeting, you know, he's going to be running the evangelism ministry for Barah Ministries. And he looked at all of us and he says, what am, I, what am I supposed to do? I didn't ask that question when I started teaching him at the dinner table. I didn't ask him what I was supposed to do. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted him to judge me as a father by whether I invited him to believe in Christ and whether I taught him the word of God. That's what I wanted. I wanted him to have an adult soul to match his adult body when he left my house. But did I know what to do? I didn't know what to do. And it's 21 years later and I still don't know what to do. Amen? I don't know what's going to happen with Barah Ministries. I don't know. We got pictures of a building. We got a land. We got architectural plans. They're all paid for and we're waiting for our arms are out. Give us $3 million. So we can build it. Got a contractor. We're ready to go. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I, it, it's never been a problem for me that I didn't know what was, what was going on. I'm confused. When, when you step out of your comfort zone, you're confused. And the next thing is clarity. And then that gives you some confidence. And then you step out again and you're confused again. And then you get clear, and then that gives you some confidence, and you step out again. You don't work in this life from confidence. You don't work in this life from certainty. You work from confusion. And if you stay there, you're a moron. Amen? Stop being confused and get clear. I love executive coaching because I can paralyze a person in one second by just asking them one question. What do you want? (laughs) What do you want? Magic wand right here. I can wave it and give you anything you want. What do you want? (laughs) Spit it out. Have the baby. Tell me. That's the start. What do you want? I knew what I wanted at four years old. I told my mom at a birthday party. She was looking at me, and I had a serious look on my face. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, this is not my life. 
I am not living in the ghetto. I want out. Four years old. So don't tell me you don't know. As Christians, we share a set of common things, things that are common to our heritage, yet each of us has something special from God the Holy Spirit that is unique in us. At the moment you became a believer in Christ, you got something unique. You discover your spiritual gift through experience. It all started when I walked up to the dining room table. That's when Barah ministry started. When I walked up to the dining room table not knowing a damn thing about what I was about to do. The Greek word for gift is charisma. It's actually charismatos, but you, you understand the word charisma. There are people who have a spiritual gift and they have charisma. You know, one of my sons, the younger one, has the gift of pastor-teacher. There's no question about it. But how does he use it? Selfishly. To aggrandize himself. To bring all the attention to him. He isn't serving anybody with it. Why? I don't care why. It's not my life. That's his journey to work out. I had my own. I had to worry about my journey. But I'm not blind. If my dad is in heaven, he had the gift of pastor-teacher. How did he use it? He used it to rip people to shreds with his tongue. Okay, that's one way to use it, but that's selfish. Both of those two guys could go to Corinth. They'd, they'd fit in very well there with all the pagans who were selfish in their use of their gift. That is not from God. That is not how God wants us to use our charisma. And by the way, if you take the ma off of charisma, it's charis. The word, the Greek word for grace. Lest you ever think that the fact that you have a spiritual gift is something that you did. See, when I was a kid, I used to win every speech contest at my school. Everyone. Why? Because I had charisma. I had a spiritual gift called the gift of pastor-teacher, which is a speaking gift. I didn't know it. I just knew I enjoyed getting up in front of people and talking. But that gift was powered by the Holy Spirit, and it was something that made me absolutely unique. You have that too. God the Holy Spirit has given you a supernatural charisma. And it's in you and it mesmerizes people when they see it. June Murphy, when she's not busy screaming at us because she's too lazy to use her diaphragm, is one of the most amazing singers that I've ever heard in my entire life. Not only her voice, not only her voice, but the words that she puts together of songs and the way she orchestrates biblical verses into a harmony and the way she envisions music in her head 
is one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Some of the songs that she has written, I would love to hear some of the great singers of all time sing those songs. Because those songs are worthy of being sung by some of the great singers of all time. I would love to hear Whitney Houston sing, When I Say I Love You. And we'll get to hear that in heaven. Because June Murphy has a supernatural gift. And when she's not busy screaming, you can hear it. You can hear how God the Holy Spirit powers that amazing voice from an amazing person. This is in case you die. I'm just doing your eulogy now. <laughs> well, we're glad you got it on tape. So yeah, so you can watch it when you get home. This was your eulogy, so you were at your own funeral. What does the Greek word charisma mean? Well, one commentator describes it very well. He says it's a divine grace gift that comes to expression through action, showing itself as special service for the benefit of others. A divine grace gift that comes to expression through action, showing itself as special service for the benefit of others. Charisma. And here's what happens. When you have a spiritual gift, you can't help but use it. You can't help it. You're a sucker. I mean, everywhere I show up, I teach. Every moment, I love teaching. You know why? Because I love people. I want to help. I want to see people be their amazing selves. I want them to discover the best version of themselves. And I want to have my hand in that, helping them to see the amazing version of themselves. There's no ego involved in that. They compliment, man, you're a powerful speaker. You're an amazing teacher. Yeah, whatever. Are the Cardinals on today? You know, I... I And, you know, when people compliment me, they always say, well, I don't want to blow up your ego, but you really are a great teacher. Nobody compliments me. And frankly, I'm uncomfortable with it. I don't need your compliments. God gave me this gift, and I want to use it. I want to give myself to you. I don't have any guile in me. I don't want to hurt you, or to fool you. I want to see your best self, and I'll use any means necessary to get you to look at yourself in a way that you see who you are. And I don't care whether you like how I do it or not, because it's powered by the supernatural. Not worried about your opinions. I'm worried about one opinion, Christ, and he loves me. He's crazy about me. That's the same thought you ought to have. You care what people say about you or feel about you or think about you. What does Christ think about you? He loves you. He created you. He's molding you. He thinks enough of you to have the Father and the Spirit working with you too, to perfect your perfection. 
But, you know, there are a lot of people who like taking advantage of your gift. You know, I've had people tell me in my life, you got played. You got played when I gave of myself to somebody and I was deceived. I don't give a shit if I got played. I don't give a shit. I wanted to do it. I want to be a sucker for Christ. Use me. Fool me. I could care less. Because I didn't do it for you. I did it for Christ. Amen? Not worried. And that's what people don't understand. I want to do this. I signed up for this. Where do I sign? Christian. Right here. Okay, yeah, man. I want that. Well, you know it's a life of tribulation. So, you know you're going to go to the spiritual gym. So, you know people are going to use you. So, so what? Are they going to win? Are the people who are using me going to win? <laughs> They're not. The people who have used me, I look at their lives. I see what happens to them. And if I didn't want to embarrass some of them, I'd tell you. But I see it. And me, on the other hand, I haven't missed a beat. My bank account keeps growing. My gifts keep coming. My, my, my love keeps going forth from me. And it keeps infecting over and over and over again. Putting the light of Christ in people. Every week I come up here... 20 people will be believers in Christ because of the gospel message that I'm going to talk about very shortly, and I won't even know it. And when I get to heaven, there's going to be all these people up there saying, there he is, there he is, that's him. You remember him? He had that sign above his head. Right? And it's the same for you. When you get up and use your spiritual gift, it's going to be the same thing for you. Nobody asked John and Monica Miller, oh, well, Hi, hi uh, John and Monica Miller. I'm Pastor Roy Clark, and I would like you to have a conference in Coeur d'Alene every year around the first weekend of August. And, you know, I'll come up and teach face-to-face. And then, you know, 10 years from now, we'll be hugging each other and patting each other on the back and thinking it's great. That's not how it went down. How it went down is they decided they wanted to do it, and they said, will you show up? And I said, yeah, yeah. Court of what? Court of, court of Ling? Well, wait, is it warm? <laughs> yeah, in August, generally speaking, it's warm. Okay, well, I ain't coming up there in January. I don't like snow. That's all right, we'll do it in August. And look what it has become. Did they know what they were doing when they started that? They didn't. Did they know how many people were going to be here this year without all the Barah Ministries people who were at home with their little masks on? You know, I don't think I should travel. They didn't know. It was packed. It's wild. They were confused, and then they got clear, and now they have confidence. It's beautiful. Yeah, so I'm a sucker. For using my spiritual gift. I don't care. 
Fool me. Use me. But if you have a, a negative purpose, do you actually think it's going to work? It's not going to work. Paul sends a clear message to the Corinthian believers that if their spiritual gift isn't used in service of others, then it is likely used for selfish purposes. And that is not the intent of God the Holy Spirit. Your spiritual gift emphasizes God the Holy Spirit's grace and wisdom in giving it to you, not your use of it. So the believers at Corinth were out of line for flaunting their gift, especially the gift of tongues. And the funny thing is, the gift of tongues was at the back of the line in God's list of very cool gifts. While all three members of the Trinity participate in the spiritual gifts, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ along with God the Holy Spirit, as the previous three verses indicate. Yet God the Holy Spirit is the owner of the distribution of the various gifts. So what's the point of a spiritual gift? Here's the payoff verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, To each one, that's each believer in Christ, is given the manifestation of God the Holy Spirit by God, Passive voice, you're given it to, to, it's given to you by God, you're acted upon, passive voice, for the mutual benefit of all. Why does Deacon Denny have that amazing gift of being a diakonos? There is no man on this planet that I would rather be around than Denny Goodall. He has a gift. Larry Collins, Zachary Clark, Norbert Chigoya, Choi Chogala. <laughs> you know, it's such a privilege for me to be around men, not little boys in men's bodies. Men. We have men in Barah Ministries. I love them. Well, the use of the passive voice in this verse indicates that there's no merit in us, the receivers of the spiritual gift. Your spiritual gift is what God the Holy Spirit uses to do the work of His ministry, sanctification in you. Each believer brings a different style and a unique flavor to the spiritual gift. And let's get one thing straight. Your gift shows up even if you don't. I talked about my younger son. I talked about my dad. They had gifts. The gift showed up, even if they didn't. Your spiritual gift isn't private. Your spiritual gift isn't hidden. A lot of the closet Christians want to say that, well, I know I have a spiritual gift, but I'm just, it's really private for me. You're an idiot. You're a coward. That's why you don't want to step out and show your spiritual gift to people. You're a coward. Your spiritual gift shows up. The real question becomes, will you use the spiritual gift for yourself, selfishly, or will you use the spiritual gift for the body of Christ? And when you bend over backwards for people in the body of Christ, you are amazing. And we've got a lot of people in Barah Ministries that just bend over backwards for people here. And they're suckers, right? The con artists all think that they're suckers. Because we bend over backwards. No suckers here. We know what we're doing. We want to do it. 1 Corinthians 12, 8. For to one believer in Christ is given the message of wisdom from God, which is God-given insight. 
through God the Holy Spirit. Notice God the Holy Spirit's always powering the gift. And to another believer in Christ is given the message of knowledge according to the same God the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, to another believer in Christ is given supernatural faith by the same God, the Holy Spirit. Those are people who have faith when everybody else is saying, yeah, this is never going to work. And to another believer in Christ is given the gift of healing by the one, God, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 10, and to another believer in Christ is given divine power for the effecting of miracles. And to another believer in Christ is given the gift of prophecy. To another believer in Christ is given the ability for the distinguishing of spirits. To another believer in Christ is given various kinds of tongues. And to another believer in Christ is given the interpretation of tongues. Notice what ends up on the bottom of the list. Your spiritual gift is a ministry. Your ministry is designed to edify other believers in Christ, the members of the body of Christ. Your spiritual gift is powered by God the Holy Spirit, and it reflects, among other things, His unconditional love. Because that's the name of God's plan for mankind, love. You reflect the fruit of the Spirit when you love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these virtues, there is no law. I was thinking about Cindy uh, Christensen today, and I was thinking about her mom. Look, how are you going to reform a Roman Catholic? How are you going to do it? I'll tell you how you do it. You get the gospel message from Barah Ministries, and every time you're around your mom, you play it for seven minutes. That's how you do it. You put on the gospel message and let it play for seven minutes. Mom, come here. I want you to watch something. Seven minutes. Now, I've done that a lot of times to friends who are Roman Catholic. And then about four minutes in, I'll reach to turn it off. All right, I just wanted you to see that. I reached to turn it off. No, no, leave it on. Leave it on. <laughs> God, the Holy Spirit, got him. <laughs> Not me. I just told him to watch. I used my personal power to get them to watch, and then God the Holy Spirit did his thing. And what's his thing? If they're unbelievers, his thing is the convicting ministry of God the Holy Spirit. And he's actually good at it. Now, how much effort does it take for you to play a video for somebody for seven minutes? It doesn't take any effort. You don't have to make the video. All you have to do is pull them into a seat and say, watch this with me. Now you're evangelizing. It's hard, isn't it, Zach? Isn't that hard? That hard. I got to figure it out. <laughs> you ain't got to figure it out. It's already been figured out. But don't forget this. The Holy Spirit powers the gift. He don't need your help. He's going to get the gospel message to Cindy's mom with, with or without Cindy's, Cindy's help. But Cindy can help. Because Cindy's mom loves Cindy. Cindy's mom's going to listen to anything Cindy says. Amen? She ain't going to listen to Harold. <laughs> Harold said it. She'd say, you know, Harold, I never did really like you all that much, but I just kind of put up with you because Cindy did. <laughs> Then we hear, uh, a man in uh, Spokane stabbed his mother-in-law with a pen. 
in jail is Harold Christensen. Uh, anyway, Harold would never do that. He's a sweet guy. Huh? We would bail him out. We, I'd, I'd fly up there tomorrow and bail him out of jail. So your spiritual gift is powered by God, the Holy Spirit. And it is designed to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But one and the same God, the Holy Spirit, works all these things, all these gifts, distributing to each one a grace-given gift individually, just as he wills. And God, the Holy Spirit's will is powerful. He knows what he's doing. So, do you want to know your spiritual gift? You can only discover it through effort. The pigeon of spiritual gifts will not dump a revelation on your head. The entire Christian way of living is learned through experiences. And when you begin to give of yourself, you will learn whom God designed you to be. And what you'll learn more than anything else, just as I did this week, is what David learned that caused him to pen Psalm 139.14, which says this, I will give thanks to you, Lord, for I am uniquely and marvelously made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very, very well. This is the time where we get to experience God's word in addition to hearing it. And this is what Paul is teaching the Corinthians in the next passage of study. Hold on for an interesting ride. Well, the closing moments of our study today are a reminder that God wants you. And what God wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. You are one of God's creatures. And if you choose, you can be a child of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, But as many as received the invitation from Jesus to be saved, to them he gave the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in Jesus' name. Yet one of the things you need to know is that your divine parent does not operate the same way a human parent operates. As human parents, often we are emotional, arbitrary, and sentimental, we tell our children exactly what we want them to do, expecting that they will do it. And often they do the opposite, and then they ask us for an exception to our request. I know I didn't do exactly what you asked, but please, 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 can I do it my way? Often our emotional, arbitrary, and sentimental self allows them to disobey. By doing this, we teach them to ignore our requests in critical matters. God is not a human parent. God tells us exactly what we must do to be saved, and those who don't do it think in the end that God will be emotional, arbitrary, and sentimental. They think that God will let them into heaven their own way. I've heard pastors say, oh, I don't know. Do you have to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know what it takes to be saved, but God knows your heart. What in the hell does that even mean? That's not how God operates at all. So people think that God is going to let them into heaven because God knows your heart. If he knows your heart, let me tell you how your heart is. It's desperately sick. Who can comprehend it? That's what the Bible says. God won't operate that way. He has a different plan. In John chapter 14, verse 6, he tells it, Jesus said, I am the way to salvation. I am the truth through the word of God the gospel message, and I am the resurrection life, and no one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. 
God's plan for your salvation is a critical matter, and the Lord isn't emotional, arbitrary, or sentimental about it. He's crystal clear. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, the Lord says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is God the Father's will in the matter of your salvation? First, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us what is not God's will. It is not God's will for any of you unbelievers to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to a repentance, which is a change of mind, about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What is God's will is simple, and it's revealed in Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. That's what it takes to be saved. It only takes 30 seconds of your time. You simply turn to the God who saves you. The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Scripture. Now, if you ignore God's critical request, there are consequences. John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment as a possession. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. So if you want to get to heaven, it's probably best that you just do what a God asks you to do. Acts chapter 16, verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. When we believe, we simply take God's word for it in the matter of what it takes to be saved, and then we do it. Do it right now, and you'll be saved for all time. Everybody's going, finally, man, come on, man. The bears are on, man. All right, I'll hurry. Let's close with some music. The Lord Jesus Christ continued the lesson to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. God the Father loved the world unconditionally, and he loved everyone in the world so much that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. For God the Father did not send God the Son into the world to judge the world, that is, to give the world eternal condemnation, but that the world might be saved through him, that the world might have eternal salvation. John 3.18, he who believes in Jesus Christ is not judged. Why? Because he has eternal life. But he who does not believe in Jesus Christ has been judged already. Why? Because they're born physically alive and spiritually dead. And because he has not believed in the name, of the only begotten Son of God. God's plan for mankind is named unconditional love, and his love is not limited to the important few like the Corinthians thought. And as June Murphy sings, God's unconditional love and his salvation is for whosoever. world.
that he gave his one and only son that whosoever will believe eternal victory is already won the Lord Jesus went to the cross yes he did dying voluntarily and he says no one comes to the Father but by believing in me, complacency, salvation's free. If in Christ you believe, whosoever believes in him, whosoever
a doxology of praise to our God. Ephesians 1.3, worthy of praise is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us believers in Christ in eternity past with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, a place of permanence through our union with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In Jesus we have redemption, deliverance from slavery to sin through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the glorious wealth provided by his grace, which he lavished on us, including as a gift, wisdom and insight. God wants us to enjoy his gracious provisions. Ephesians 3.20 Now to the God and Father who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine, more than is humanly possible to think according to the divine power omnipotence that works within us. To him be the glory through the church age believers in union with Christ Jesus and to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we just thank you for reminding us that you've got us in the so great care of God the Holy Spirit. Let his still, small voice keep whispering to us and calling us to the magnificence of perfection that you gave us at the moment of salvation. And we pray that we might be an absolute reflection in Satan's kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening.